Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we're continuing our coverage of Winnipeg's Vital Signs 2017. And today's show is focused on identity and belonging, which is one of the 10 categories that is explored in the Winnipeg's Vital Signs report. Up first, we'll speak with Allison Basil of Spence Neighborhood Association to talk about their excellent youth program that's called Building Belonging, and the importance of helping those youth in our city feel a sense of belonging and community. Then we'll hear from J.P. Venegas at the Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council, also known as Welcome Place. We'll learn a little bit more about Welcome Place and the importance of making newcomers feel a sense of belonging here in Winnipeg. Then Joanne Joanne Pollock, songwriter and producer, joins us in studio to talk about Manitoba Music's Equalizer Workshops, which focus on helping women and non-binary people at any skill level learn about music production in an inclusive and welcoming atmosphere. And we'll also hear from Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, Winnipeg Citizen Journalism Project. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. Robert, how are you doing this fine November Doing not afternoon. too badly. Yeah. It uh, it looks like spring outside, kind oddly, of, hey? sort of a little bit. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird. I've heard varying reports that we're either going to have a very mild winter or it's going to be extremely brutal once we get into the sort of dark and damp. See, I've January. actually only heard the latter. That, that it's going to be brutal? That it's going to be really bad. I don't think I've heard anyone say that it's going to be It was a friend of mine yet. who's kind of a bit of a hippie, so take it with a grain of salt. I don't know if we can trust him see if he's got the weather station set up outside if his knees are aching or something that means it's going to be a it's going to be a short winter but i don't know yeah hopefully it's not too bad but mm-hmm. i mean even if it is whatever you know we're manitobans we're tough we can handle it it's we true can, we we belong here we take winter and we uh we find ways to uh, to celebrate precisely so we're going to be talking about belonging here all day today we've got a great show we're going to be talking about identity and belonging which is one of the categories in the winnipeg foundation's vital signs 2017 report um up first is allison B- basil from building belong she's the building belonging coordinator about a program she coordinates for spence neighborhood association called building belonging but before we get to building belonging with uh, Allison Basil, we've got I Belong, Kathy Kirby, right here on River City 360. All my dreams are uncovered I belong 
Welcome back to River City 360. I'm Sonny Permolo, and as you already know, our focus for today's show is another one of the Winnipeg Foundation Vital Signs categories, Identity and Belonging. Today on the show, I have Alison Basil, Building Belonging Coordinator from Spence Neighborhood Association, who is here to talk about their Building Belonging Youth Program. Welcome, Alison. Hi. Before we get into the program specifically, could you tell us a little bit about the Spence Neighborhood Association? Yeah, we're uh, one of the neighborhood revitalization corporations uh, in the downtown of Winnipeg. Um, the Spence neighborhood is next to the University of Winnipeg. Our program is guided by a board of directors uh, who come from the community. Um, and we're having our AGM coming up soon in January oh. on, I believe, the 16th. Um, so that gives people who live, work, or volunteer in the community the chance to come and um, be part of guiding our programming, um, voicing any concerns or needs that they have, um, and also uh, shaping um, what kind of home they want the community to be. As I mentioned earlier, today we're focusing on one of the vital signs categories, identity and belonging. Well, who better to start with than our youth? Uh, tell us what is building belonging? Uh, Building Belonging is SNA's uh, after-school program for kids ages 6 to 12. We generally uh, have kids stay in our program till around grade 6, and then they're in, when they're in grade 7, they can move on to our youth program, which uh, runs uh, after our program is finished. So they start around 6.30, and our program runs from 3.30 to around 6 for kids. Um, it's totally free for kids to come down to the center. Um, we provide a full meal when they arrive after school. We pick kids up um, from their schools, and we're also able to do a drive home within the catchment of our neighborhood. The Building Belonging program runs every weekday. Uh, typically, how many volunteers are involved in the program? Um, we usually have around two community volunteers who are with us. Okay. Um, we work with Red River Community College to have practicum students who are with us uh, quite regularly um, for an extended period. Um, we also have some community groups that bring in uh, larger groups of volunteers uh, who can stay with us for a longer time. And we also currently have two youth who are working on um, courses for credit with their school where they volunteer in their community. And how many kids uh, typically take part on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, for our program, it's usually between 20 and 30 kids wow. uh, that come to our center. We have uh, generally around 130 children who are registered over the whole school year um, because in our community we do have a lot of movement. People sometimes will come to the city just for the summer or maybe they go to a school that's a little bit outside of our area, but they live within the community and they join us for that time. Um, but usually we see if people move out of the area and then move back in, they come and see us right away. Yeah. Uh, and we're one of the, the first people who get to see them again. So that's awesome. always really exciting. You, you folks really have a lot to offer. Uh, can you name some of the fun things kids can take part in with uh, Building Belonging? Uh, yeah, we work with a lot of the, uh, the groups that are in our community to provide uh, really high-quality programming for kids. So we are lucky to have Art City Outreach that comes to our center every Mondays. Um, we work with uh, Food Manners Manitoba to do a cooking class um, that helps teach the kids about healthy eating and uh, learning food skills. We're also, in the summer, we're able to do a kids' garden programming because as yes. a neighborhood association, uh, SNA also has a garden or a oh, environment and open spaces coordinator who can help us grow food in the garden that's right next to our center. Um, we are lucky to be able to go over to the University of Winnipeg's uh, RecPlex where they're able to offer healthy kids 
or Fit Kids Healthy Kids programming, which allows kids to build, build physical literacy skills and run around on the giant field in there, uh, even when it's snowy outside. Um, we also try to do skateboarding outings as well. We have our own skateboards awesome. that we can take kids out into local parks with, and then we try to find uh, indoor spaces in the winter as well to do. Um, and we also work a lot to work with different arts organizations to nice. bring arts programming into our center. So right now we're doing, uh, it's called Tappertunity. Uh, it's a volunteer who uh, has got a, collected a bunch of donated tap shoes. Um, and she's providing tap instruction for our kids at the space that is provided by the West End Cultural Center. That's so cool. Have you heard any um, feedback from the youth that attend Building Belonging and what they feel about the program? Um, it's been really nice to have uh, those two youth volunteers with us right now. They were both uh, kids who grew up through our programming, uh, and they're in high school now, and they've come back with us. And they've told us that it was a really uh, big part of their uh, growth when they were, were kids, and they're really excited to give back as well. So that's for us is uh, the best feedback, that they want to spend their time and their energy uh, giving back to the kids in their program, and that they feel like... Um, that they feel a strong connection to the program, that they want to come back and see the staff, and they want to continue in our programming as well. That's awesome how it just becomes a big circle like that. <laughs> how can parents get their children involved with the program? Like, what are some of the requirements to uh, join? Um, for our for doing drive home, um, we only do drive home for kids who are within the catchment area. But if you work in the area or you have other connections to the area, kids can come uh, and join program. We only ask that parents fill out a registration form for either the summer or school year period, and that allows the children to attend uh, for that whole time. Um, yeah, we're, we're a pretty open center, so kids can attend as many days as they want. It's not required that they uh, commit to a long period or anything. Um, and all of our activities, we strive to remove any barriers uh, to participation. So no, none of our activities have any fee. It's been great speaking with you today, Allison. Uh, for those wanting to learn more about the program, where can they go to obtain more information? Um, if you go to Spence Neighborhood Association's website, which is spenceneighborhood.org, uh, I believe, and on there, there is more information about all of the programs that we do for families and the community. Um, there is a page there that is specifically for building belonging, and our monthly calendars are updated there. There's information about volunteer opportunities, um, and also information about our community events. Um, we have our AGM coming up, so that's a great opportunity for people to come and share their ideas or get involved as a board member. Um, and you can also uh, reach me at buildingbelonging at spencerneighborhood.org, which is a very long email, but it is <laughs> on the website. And our uh, main phone line is uh, 783-5000. And that connects to everyone who works at Spence Neighborhood. Awesome. According to the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Signs Project, about 67% of Winnipeggers aged 12 and above feel a strong sense of community belonging. With organizations like the Spence Neighborhood Association and their Building Belonging program, that number is sure to grow. Thank you again to Allison Basil, Building Belonging Coordinator from Spence Neighborhood Association. It was great speaking with you today and keep up the great work. Thanks, Sunny. Thank you. 
Think Sunny coming up after the break. JP Venegas of Welcome Place joins us to talk about belonging from a newcomer's perspective. We'll learn about the programming that the Manitoba Interfaith Immigration Council has and how it's helping new Canadians here in Winnipeg. But first, here's Jim Croce with I Got a Name right here on River City 360. Like the pine trees lining the winding road, I've got a name. I've got a name Like the singing bird and the croaking toad I've got a name I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream That he kept here Moving me down the highway Rolling me down the highway Moving ahead so life won't pass me by Like a north wind whistling down the sky I've got a song I've got a song Like the whirlpool will and the babies cry I've got a song I've got a song And I carry it with me And I sing it loud If it gets me nowhere I go there proud Moving me down the highway Rolling me down the highway Moving the hills and life Welcome to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by J.P. Venegas. He is the Senior Manager of Volunteer and Reception Services at Welcome Place. J.P., thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. Here on the program, we've been focusing on the different categories of Winnipeg's Vital Signs, and we wanted to talk to you today about identity and belonging and kind of get your perspective um, because not only do you work at Welcome Place where you're working very closely with refugees and newcomers but you also were a refugee yourself. 
Can you tell us a little bit, uh, first of all, maybe tell us a little bit about what you do with Welcome Place, how you work with newcomers to our city? My Building for Faith Immigration Council is a nonprofit organization that provides settlement service to refugees. Uh, we're working with all kind of refugee classifications, starting from government-assisted refugees, asking for black refugee claimants, private sponsorship refugees. And technically, we have a policy of open door. Whoever comes to knock our door, we, we try to help it as much as we can. We're a non-for-profit organization. And uh, what I do specifically is I'm in charge of two different departments. Uh, one is the reception service, which is the department that host uh, the newcomers arriving in our province. We have a building, in which building we have uh, 30 self-contained units. So technically, while we receive these people at the airport, then we move them to these uh, apartments while the process of settlement is uh, taking place. And as soon as they complete their process, uh, they are ready to move to a more permanent location. We have people that they can find accommodations for them. Uh, also, the second department that I, uh, I'm leading is the volunteer department, and this is the department that takes care of uh, what we call the extracurricular activities of the settlement, not just paperwork and appointments. We have a conversational English classes. We have a healthy breakfast. We have a field trip. We have a, a museum. So there's so many things that they can make more integral settlement for the people that is arriving in our province. The idea is to expose our clients to uh, the real Canadian lifestyle, and it's the fun part. It's very successful as well. And you yourself actually have a really great story about being welcomed through Welcome Place as well. Can you share that uh, a little bit with us, sort of how uh, how you came to Manitoba and how uh, how Welcome Place helped you when you first came? Yeah, well, it was in uh, the end of uh, 2001 when uh, I arrived to uh, immigration applying for uh, a refugee status. And at that time, the whole system was completely different. So technically, I applied for a an interview with immigration audience to present my case and, and try to be granted uh, the access to Canada. And uh, I received a telegram. At that time, there was not such a thing as an email or a, a telegram. Said, okay, you know what? Uh, January 2nd, 2002, you have to be in Emerson, Manitoba. At that point in time, I was living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So go to the library, get a map, and start trying to planning your route up north. It took me over three days to, to come here. And, uh, and a wonderful Florida car with great air conditioning, but no heating. So it was January. The only idea that I have uh, from Winnipeg, it was uh, from 99 in the Pan-American Games. Uh, I was in charge of uh, uh, the national team of my country and um, the flight operation. And I, and I, and I brought this, uh, uh, the whole team over here for the Pan-American Games. So I remember Winnipeg as like a green city, so clean, so open. It was It was really beautiful. So... When somebody at the border said, okay, the closest city here is Winnipeg, I never doubted a minute. I just drove over here. The problem is, that, like, driving here, uh, I never found the green. I only found the white. And I consider myself a Winnipegger. 16 years later, I'm a proud Canadian citizen. And uh, I've been trying to somehow to pay back, to return to the community the way that the Welcome Place helped me. My first contact with the Welcome Place was um, at the Emerson point of entry. At that time, a gentleman from Manitoba Interface was waiting for me. They brought me into town. They provided me with, uh, with an apartment and you know, all the settlement service that I need to complete my, my case. And finally, I started volunteering with them. And then I finished working. I finally applied for an open position, and I started working here. So 15 years later, 
I'm part of the management, and I'm like I mentioned, I'm very proud of the you know being part of a, of this organization. That's really quite quite amazing as well. That nearly you know almost nine out of ten of the staff at uh, at Welcome Place actually started out you know they were former clients at first, and they you know just felt that sense of of wanting to give back, and eventually are now working with the organization. That's something that's more than a coincidence. It's something that. We've been working on it because we actually firmly believe that most people arriving into this country, into this province, they come with so many potentials and skills that sometimes they're not well assessed. And the idea is just to give them the opportunity to showcase whatever they are uh, and whatever they can they can do. And uh, it's been very successful. I can say that most different people uh, coming over to uh, the work, to work at the welcome place. They are former clients of the agency, and they know exactly what they are talking about. So, when they when they have to deal with the issues of uh, clients, they know what they have to do because you know they feel that in a first person. They've been going through this stuff, so that's something that not many other organizations can use for you know treating clients. So, from your perspective, as someone who has been a newcomer to Canada, and also as someone who you know has worked with newcomers for a number of years now, how do you think that Winnipeg does in terms of the way that newcomers are are being welcomed and integrated into the community? And what are some things that you think still need some improving on? I would say that compared to the bigger cities, Winnipeg is more. I don't know. I would say cozy. It's more uh, comfortable for people arriving and in, uh, into into this community. It's a vibrant community. It, it it can offer everything that other big cities can do, but it's it's in a more in a more cozy in a more little uh, way. And and I think that's what you know make people fall in love for this city. I have to say that most people all the time. I, I've been in a lot of conferences in different parts of Canada. And people always talk about the weather and always talk about that. But you know what we try to do is we try to expose to our clients to how many lakes do we have, how many beautiful places do we have, how many winter sports that they can practice, how many ways of uh, having fun on, on spring, on fall. And, and obviously, it's, it's something that they have to take in consideration when you see like the, the quality of life versus the cost of life. It's way better in, in, in Manitoba. So those are things that normally we highlight when we are uh, providing the orientation to our clients. I always say it's my own example. I remember when I get my first house, I don't know, I got my neighbor coming and cleaning the leaves for me or, you know, shoveling the snow for me. And, um, you know, that kind of a, like a daily convivence with the, with the community is something that I really appreciate. You may not have the same situation in a bigger city, the multiculturalism. These um, all kind of restaurants, the little, the real sample of cultures in every corner of the city. It's what makes Winnipeg where we are. And obviously, we also we also try to get people involved with the, you know, the proud of being a Winnipegger, taking it to the, you know, the, the Blue Bombers or to the Jets game whenever we have the opportunity to have tickets. And and it's great. I mean, I, I've seen people like they arrive in like one year ago, and you see them like wearing sweaters of. You know, jerseys of jets or blue armor or something like that. That's something that we're proud of because you know that that's the sense of belonging. They firmly believe that they belong here. According to Vital Signs, newcomers are 25 percent less likely than 
people who've lived in Winnipeg for more than 10 years to feel that sense of belonging. Even though 90% of uh, people who responded to the Vital Signs survey had identified things that we should celebrate about Winnipeg when it comes to newcomers. So even though Winnipeggers are excited about newcomers in the community, they're not always made to feel as welcome as they could be. And organizations like Welcome Place do a lot of really great work in terms of, of welcoming newcomers to our community. But what would you say that, you know, the average Winnipeg citizen, what can they do to help make newcomers feel more welcome? Basically, we work every day on, uh, on our educational programs in order to break the barriers of understanding of the real situation of many people. We have uh, this phenomenon of uh, the refugee climate, the asylum seekers that they are coming through the border. And uh, there's a lot of myth about these people in particular. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to show that yeah, the communities, we're trying to involve with uh, all communities. We have permanent workshops and, and programs run by the RCMP or the Winnipeg Police Service or the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority in order to provide them with uh, information. They need to know, people need to know on a first perspective that we are dealing with the refugees. Eventually, they may be some cases that to that. But we are very confident and we really trust the system that Canada has in place for the treatment of, uh, of newcomers. So eventually, from our perspective, there's no fear. There's nothing to, there's nothing to be scared of. We just try people on a human turn base. And, uh, and based on that, we open the door to every single day. So I think that on an average, uh, Winnipeggers, uh, they're, they're well aware of the situation of the newcomers. And, but I think education will be will be a key in, uh, in, in future elections or, or future programs that can give some sort of a comfort to people knowing that the next door neighbor is not what you read on the paper or whatever. It's just exactly another human being in the, and it's exactly part of the community. So I would say like the only key factor will be more education and, and, and to get closer to, to the people like approach the people. Whenever you don't know, just come. We are having an open door policy here, welcome place. You need to know, just come. We will explain you. We will provide you with a tour. We will show you the people that we're dealing with every day and you will see that there's a totally different picture than what probably you have before. So I will say that that's will be the only key. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention about Winnipeg and belonging or about welcome place? I can say that most of uh, the people that... Uh, we are working here at the Welcome Place, and most of the clients that we have dealt with in the past, they're proud Winnipeggers. I just have to say that normally Manitoba Interface Immigration Council, for the last, I don't know, over 65 years, it's been bringing around 500 cases every, every year of uh, government assistance refugees, and they are being part of the community. We know exceptional examples of progress and development in this, uh, in this client. But just to remind that two years ago, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, compromised Canada in the, inviting over 2,000 cases of Syrian people to the community. And they are happy. I can see every day we have problems with the kids. We have problems with the mothers. We have problems with the, the head of the family, with the father. And they're all happy to live. So that's an example. The same happened with the people that have been crossing the border. People that they are granted their permanent residence here. They are looking for jobs, they are part of our economy, they are supporting the community, they are part of our problems. They volunteer a lot. So basically it's, uh, it is what it is. It's, uh, Winnipeg is a, is a melting pot and uh, if we can help to get that melting pot like going on, it's, I, I can feel that we're doing something good for the people. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, JP, for taking the time to uh, to speak with me today about uh, about Welcome Place and about uh, belonging in Winnipeg. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by a very special guest. We've got Joanne Pollock. She's a musician and producer working here in Winnipeg. Joanne, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we're having you on the show to talk about the Equalizer, uh, upcoming Equalizer workshop that's going to be taking place on November 30th, but I understand these workshops have been taking place for two years now. So tell me a little bit about how they got started and uh, what they're all about. Okay, um... Well, I had been, I'm from Toronto, and I had just been there, and I went to a workshop run by a group called Toronto Women in Music, and they usually have these kind of um, workshops that were focusing on technical aspects of whatever anybody was doing, and every week they would have a different guest that would teach whatever they knew how to do. So if it was video projection or if it was Ableton or whatever, and um, it was limited to the attendance was just women and non-binary individuals. And it just felt really good to learn from each other and to be free to ask questions and it being in a really non-judgmental space. And it was a very free form kind of workshop. And it was so inspiring to me that I thought I'd really like to have something like that here. So I started it just on my own and uh, Manitoba Music was really kind to offer a space. And so initially it was just me and I would have bring in a lot of other people, women and non So far it's been limited to women. Haven't found any non-binary people to Mm -hmm. teach yet, but in the future it's going to come. It's going to happen to come teach whatever they were doing. Yeah. So why is it important to have this sort of safe space for, for beginners or moderately advanced uh, producers to come together and learn? I think it's important because um, we don't live in an ideal world. I think that if we lived in an ideal world, this kind of workshop wouldn't be gendered. It would just be everybody is welcome. But unfortunately, we live in a kind of world where a lot of women and non-binary people don't feel comfortable either asking questions or just being themselves or learning when they feel like there might be other people in the space that have misogynistic ideas. Not to say that women don't have misogynistic mm-hmm. ideas. They totally do. But, um, but yeah, I think that they're important because when people learn the skills to empower themselves, they are better able to come into a situation on on equal footing Mm -hmm. they feel better about themselves they feel more confident and they get the skills to learn how to do something that can be really expressive music production and the music industry in general sort of the people at the top of it have typically it's typically been a boys club a little bit have you noticed in your uh, career you started i think in 2010 producing music have you noticed uh, uh, a bit of a shift in how that's working, or is there still a lot of work to be done when it comes to uh, representation for females and non-binary people in the industry? There's been a huge shift. I noticed a really big shift, especially around 2014. I remember it very specifically because I had made an album with my bandmate, <clears throat> who is a, in himself a successful producer, and uh, I was very concerned when the album was coming out because he's a successful producer and I'm a woman uh-huh. who has released things before, but not to his extent. And mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, I really have this feeling that 
Because 90% of the time when I would tell people I was a musician, they would ask if I was a singer. 90 to 95% of the time. Very from interesting. Both women and men. Mm -hmm. And right around the time that album was coming out, I remember there was a huge conversation. Bjork was part of it. Um, this really awesome woman that uh, runs a label called Objects Limited from the UK was part of it. And there was just this huge conversation around, please stop asking femme-looking people if they are uh, singers. Just stop doing it because... I do sing, but I don't consider myself a singer. I'm a producer and a composer, and my voice is an instrument that I will use as a tool. Um, and around that time when all those conversations were happening, it was right around the time that album was coming out, and I remember th I was getting that all the time. Like, oh, it's so great that, um, that this person is producing you, and thank you. I would get people saying, thank you for inspiring Aaron, my bandmate, to make the, these songs and thank you for your voice is so great and then on the flip side they were saying oh to him like you shouldn't be singing like you I, and he has a great theatrical voice but it was more like people were so happy to see me as a singer and the production was split 50 50 right. the singing was split 50 50 50 the songwriting was 50 50 and so kind of what happened was what i knew would happen but i noticed that after that conversation around 2014 I'm only asked if I'm a singer about 30% of the time. Okay. And so there was a that I found that that was a really big deal. What do you think caused the shift in at that particular year? There was an online conversation that kind of exploded mm -hmm. uh, right around that time and I remember thinking that I was really happy that it was happening because it was something that directly affected my life and I think that my bandmate didn't really understand my concerns at first. Mm -hmm. But after we had spoken to like festival promoters and other producers and musicians and people like he thought I was talking about dads or right. parents or people, you know, he didn't think I was talking people about people, the, yeah, older people from the past. Yeah. yeah. But I'm talking about like women journalists right. would be saying this or festival bookers. And those are people that they affect your career. If I would like to produce for other people mm -hmm. one day, and if people think that my music is being produced by somebody else or that I'm not part of my own production, that's negatively affecting my work prospects. Absolutely. Do you think it's just a systemic sort of an issue that that's, that seems to be the conversation? Or like, what was it like singing on this album? As That's the question that gets asked, as opposed to where did you find inspiration to produce this album? You, you know, like, how do we change... The conversation has started to shift, but yeah. how do we change the mindsets? And uh, like even you said, there's female journalists that are doing this, so it's not like it's a gendered thing necessarily. It's just no, almost it's a systemic thing. Yeah. So how do we shift that conversation, or continue to shift that conversation? Do you think? I have thought about this a lot, and I'm not immune to wondering when I hear something. Oh, I wonder if they produced it. I'm not immune to that. Right. And so I, I was thinking about it, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool? if instead of assuming that women didn't produce their own music, if we just assumed that they did. Mm -hmm. So like, even if it's, if you hear somebody that's a woman and they're singing on stage, don't just be like, oh, so great that they produce their own stuff. And then if you find out the opposite, then let it be a surprise. Right. But maybe just think, you know, like give somebody the benefit of the doubt and then be surprised instead of assuming that somebody couldn't do it because of their gender and then be surprised in that way. I think what will help this is getting more people into music mm -hmm. production. So let's talk a little bit about the 
Equalizer workshops. What can people expect if they come to the workshop November thirtieth? I understand this is mostly focused on drum uh, drum machines and stuff, but yeah. what in the gen- in the general sense of things, what can people expect when they come to the Equalizer workshops? Yeah. Um, well, there's gonna there's five. One of them has already happened. That was a uh, synthesizer basics, and my idea is just to um, have a really casual kind of. Um, environment where people are totally free to be as beginner. It's intro to kind of like a 101. Very yeah? intro. Okay, cool. And I mean, I have had people that know quite a bit about things and I think that they could probably get something from it too. And also I'm, it's so informal, the environment that I'm always happy to have other people jump in with what they know. And my idea was just kind of to create a community because um, being an electronic musician in Winnipeg can be really lonely. And I, I, it was kind of, in a way, um, for myself also to meet people mm-hmm. that are interested in making music and to just meet each other and kind of like hang out and talk about something and learn about something, but also to just meet each other and and make connections with each other. Yeah, cool. And then you can potentially put projects together get yeah. co- collaborations and play shows together who knows yeah. um before i let you go i want to ask one more question what's some advice you can give to young women or non-binary uh, producers or just new songwriters that are getting into the industry specifically what would you tell yourself if you could speak to yourself seven years ago when you first started producing music um i think that maybe i mean if it's to myself i'm a perfectionist So I get really frustrated when I can't learn things fast enough or when things don't happen fast enough. And I think something that I would have told myself and something that I continue to tell myself all the time is just to enjoy the experience of learning. Mm -hmm. Because um, when you're a beginner, you are part probably the most creative that you're ever going to be because you don't know how to do anything yet. And so you're not doing anything the, the proper way or how you're supposed to do them. And so many of the people that I've met through the workshops that are really, really beginners making music make some of the coolest music mm-hmm. I've heard because it doesn't sound like anything else because they don't know how to make anything that sounds like anything else yet. Interesting. Yeah. And so just to enjoy the the learning process and enjoy being a beginner and enjoy not knowing anything because after a while you're going to know a lot right. and it's and it's going to be sometimes more limiting. Yeah, because it almost you you feel like you're directed into a direction based on what you know that you have to do or like a song has to have an intro and a verse and a chorus and an interlude and whatever. Exactly. Interesting. So for our listeners out there that have maybe daughters or granddaughters or sisters or friends that uh, would be interested in the Equalizer workshops, give us some more information. Where can we find out more? Yeah, um, on the Manitoba Music website. Um, they have all of their workshops listed there. Mine ours is the only workshop that is technical based. So a lot of the other ones are, um, more so about industry. Mm-hmm. You can go to manitobamusic.com for all the information on the equalizer workshop. Perfect. So that's manitobamusic.com. Check out under programs and resources. There's the workshops there. Joanne Pollock is a mu- musician and producer based here in Winnipeg. Thank you very much for talking to us about the Equalizer Workshops. Good luck. Thank you for doing this wonderful work, and uh, it was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. And up next, Noah Ehrenberg is going to be joining us in studio to talk about Community News Commons, Winnipeg's citizen journalism project for the last five years. 
But first, here's Sammy Davis Jr. with The Candyman, right here on River City 360. Sweet chocolate, chocolate malt, candy, gumdrops, anything you want. You've come to the right man because I'm the candy man. Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. The candy man. Who the candy man can. Candy man can cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Makes the world taste good. Uh, who can take a rainbow? Who can take a rainbow? Wrap it in a side. Wrap it in a side. Soak it in the sun and make a groovy lemon pie. The candy man. The candy man. The candy man can. The candy man can cause he mixes it with love and makes the world taste good. Listening to River City 360, Nolan Bicknell here with you today, and we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons, Winnipeg's Citizen Journalism Project. Noah, thank you for joining us. It's awesome to be here. It's been How a while. are you today? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Hey. You guys, uh, you, you have full shows, so you're you're cooking. We've been telling the stories of Winnipeg <laughs> through our lens, through exactly. the River City 360 lens, but CNC has an interesting lens because it's through the lens of citizen journalism citizen journalists that you've helped trained and helped to teach how to tell their stories. So what are some examples of the stories that are being published on CNC this week? Well, this week I really enjoyed the story by Heather Emberley 
also known as Gracie Sweet Story. That's her uh, her pen name. Very nice. And uh, she writes a story called Social Surgery. And um, essentially what um, Heather is doing is uh, she's looking at the movement to end domestic violence. And so she makes reference to the fact that Manitoba has declared November as Domestic Violence Prevention Month. Um, and, um, you know, her article really urges Manitobans to speak out against abuse and against violence. And, you know, with the all the stuff that's in the news these days with regards to uh, abuse and violence, I think it's uh, it's a very timely piece. Uh, she looks at some of the heroes that are in our community, that um, some of the community organizations that that uh, help in this area. And she also uh, looks at some um, uh, some books that have been written about it as well. Uh, she makes reference to a concert by Margaret's Choir that is happening on December the 10th mm. uh, that is going to be um, a fundraiser that um, uh, the theme is dreams and it represents not only uh, refugees, dreams of a better future, but uh, also one without violence. And, um, you know, it's it's all about empowerment, writes Heather. And um, uh, it's... Um, it's going to be, uh, it, it's actually a really interesting article, and you can check it out on communitynewscommons.org. It's called Social Surgery. I feel like we are in a pretty pivotal time when it comes to sort of the uh, ability for people to speak out against abuse and, uh, and against, uh, you know, misconduct of certain situations. And it's, it's, it's a really empowering thing to see that people are not standing for it anymore. It's, it's cool to see. Yeah, there does seem to be a shift, that's for sure. Definitely. About time. Mm-hmm. So, what else is being uh, well? The published? other story, the other story I really enjoyed was by Anne Ha. Anne is a terrific contributor to Community News Commons, and uh, um, it's it's great because what Anne does is, you know, uh, oftentimes what CNC has done for her is it's prompted her to go out and do things. You know, so she uh, earlier this month she saw something being advertised on a um, on a website. Uh, an event called Women Talking Film with Annalise Obamsuman. And uh, Annalise Obamsuman, of course, is a uh, Indigenous filmmaker who has been making films for a long time, um, basically for the last uh, half century. Oh, wow. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, she's in her 80s, and um, she makes films about um, about justice and uh, and about um, uh, indigenous rights, and uh, they are very powerful films. And so uh, Anne went to this um, this uh, little gathering, and um, she's able to do a little profile uh, about uh, the filmmaker and about uh, the impact that she has had on her community and on the um, the community at large. And and uh, you know one of the things I thought was very interesting that in the in the article Anne mentions that you could go to the National Film Board site because uh, Annalisa Bumpswan has done a lot of films uh, for the NFB. You can actually go to the NFB site and you can pretty much download most of the films that she has done. And that goes for a lot of Canadian films. So it's a, it's a nice little uh, um, article by uh, Anne Ha. It's called Passion, Grit, and Determination Fuel Indigenous Filmmakers' Success. Very and that's cool. on communitynewscommons.org. You never know what you're going to get. You, you never know who you're going to meet, <laughs> I guess. I know. And, and you could write a profile about anybody. 50, it's awesome. 50 years of filmmaker? 50 years of filmmaking. That's yeah, incredible. It's crazy. And one last story I want to mention is by Greg Petzold. He has a continuing series on Community News Commons. It's called Manitoba by the Book. And this basically is an occasional series of of introductions to writings about our city and our Mm -hmm. province with an emphasis on kind of the strange, obscure, and forgotten types of books. And so he has um, profiled a book, or he has reviewed a book called Canoeing with the Cree by Arnold Severide. Now, you might know the name Severide because there was a news reporter uh, named Eric Severide who was very famous in the 60s and 70s uh, working for American Networks 
And um, this is the same fellow. Uh, Arnold uh, uh, Severide is also known as Eric Severide, and he's from Minnesota. And uh, many, many years ago, uh, when he was 17 and... Um, uh, or, or when, when his friend was 17 and Eric was 19, they decided to leave Minnesota, go up to Manitoba, and paddle um, all the way up through to Hudson Bay. And so it's a terrific wow. adventure where they, they, they meet the local Cree in uh, northern Manitoba. And um, it's a terrific uh, snapshot of what life would have been like um, up in the Barrens, you know, uh, in 1935, uh, 1940, and uh, the descriptions that um, that the authors put into it are, uh, which um, uh, Greg has quoted, uh, very fascinating. So I would I would recommend you check out Manitoba by the book Minneapolis to York Factory by Canoe, and that's by Greg Petzold on CommunityNewsCommons.org. Sounds like a couple of. Uh Tough SOBs being <laughs> yeah. able to pull that trip off. Hey? Well, there's come some interesting photos of these guys too, you Good know, and, uh, and the reaction of the locals, you know, to having these uh, two white guys come up, and uh, you know, when probably nobody had ever seen any uh, maniacs, sort of non-indigenous people. Very cool. <laughs> well, no, at the end of our time together, we've asked you to bring uh, maybe a local song that our our uh, audience may not have heard before. So, what have you got for us today? Yeah, I don't think the audience has heard it because uh, I think this song will expand their musical universe. Awesome. <laughs> so. Always love doing that on CJNU. Indeed. It is a little poppy, a little electro, but it also is R&B. So I think our audience will, will enjoy it. Um, it is by vocalist, uh, uh, the, the song is by vocalist songwriter Heather Thomas. Um, uh, her group is called Atlas. And um, there is going to be an upcoming uh, release of the EP at a something called Star Party at the Planetarium oh, yeah. and an after party at the 4th, um, or at 4th, I guess is, is what it's called, uh, over in the exchange here, uh, on November the 24th. So that's Friday. Cool. So if you're listening on Saturday, you missed it. But if you're listening on Thursday, you can actually Have check fun. it out. Yeah, and uh, the EP is available for one night only at the event, and it's going to be, uh, it'll feature an expanded five-piece lineup. So... Thomas, uh, Heather Thomas is no stranger to the local stage. She's currently uh, attending the Artist Incubator Program at AE West at Calgary's uh, Studio Bell. And um, stay tuned for that full release of, um, of her album. But in the meantime, I'd really like to uh, uh, give you a listen to Atlas's tune called Moontan. And you're listening to River City 360 with Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk on 93.7 CJNU.
Time. 
that's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for speaking with us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website online. The address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback if there's anything about the show, any of the topics that you heard that you'd like to comment on, uh, or if there's any ideas that you have for future shows, any events that are going on, or if there's just a song that you'd like to hear, we'd love to send you a a shout out uh, and play your request on the air. So the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. If you prefer email, you can reach us at rivercity360 at wpgfdn.org. Or our phone number, again, it's our listener line. It's open 24-7, so just call in, leave a message. We'd love to hear from you. The number again, 204-944-9474, extension 360. If you'd like to hit us up on Twitter or Facebook, you can do that as well by searching at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for RiverCity360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.